Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Greetings, friends. It's Script Shop Show. My name is Jack, and I've got a weird amount of static cling in the t-shirt that I have on mm, right now. How's it feel? It's, I, I'm noticing it. Every inch of my skin mm. feels it, and it's not the most comfortable feeling does in the world. Does it feel like little wispy hands pulling your skin away from your body? Yes, it does. It's, it feels like the, the shirt is like alive and not happy with being on me. Mm. Mm. And I'm usually mm. really good about dryer sheets and stuff when I'm doing laundry, so mm-hmm. I don't know why this shirt is feeling this way right now. Do you also separate your laundry? Yes. Really? Well, at least for the whites. The, the whites go on hot, and that's, that, that is always, I'm not mixing anything in there. And usually, like, I'll do, like, a load, like, if I do everything blue, I'll mix some greens in there if I need to. And like, But then, like, uh, tans and grays all go together. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all my black t-shirts and stuff, that's all okay. going to be. Okay, I love that he said, yes, for the whites. And then it's clear that you it's separate everything. everything. Yeah, I'm a crazy person. Okay, let's, Frank, do you separate your laundry when you do it? We do um, a hot load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then... Please don't ever say that again. <laughs> um, and then a cold load. That's it. Okay. What do you put in each one? Oh, boy. <laughs> I started it. I I this says a lot about our personalities. Uh-huh. That's true. I take that back. There's two. There's two other ones. So the cold load split between, like, darks and lights. Mm-hmm. That's it. For the For the hot, it's basically... Anything that would have like, like your your underwear, your socks, your towels. Mm-hmm. Anything that touched a human's private parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, what do you? Is this is this setting up for you to tell <laughs> no, us what you do? I of course do not separate my clothes because who has time for that? Oh well, I know. I'm from a family of eight. Right. It all goes in. It all comes out. Well, Sometimes I'll separate the babies, but yeah, not well, that you're much. a busy lady anyway. Yeah. So uh, you tuned into Script Shop and uh, <laughs> tell us how you do your laundry. Yeah, that's, it's, it's, get on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at us. We want to know: Do you or don't you separate your laundry? It's Laundry Week here on Script Shop. It's the <laughs> podcast where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. Ooh, if only we had gotten into this conversation with our dirty laundry. Oh, our previous show, our it's dirty laundry. Too bad we don't think these things out ahead of time. It's almost like we're completely doing the show by the seat of our pants. Really? Yes, totally. So uh, this is Jack and Allison. This is our show. We've got screenwriters on. You've listened before. You probably know the deal. But if you don't, we have screenwriters on. They send us their work. We put it on our website for you to read. And then you get to listen to the show where the writer talks about these things that and why they've written them and what it means to them and uh, where they're at and what they're up to and uh, everything. We try to get as much out of them as we can. We really do. And we love doing the show. We love reading what people are writing about. And we love seeing what it is that really makes them tick. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be one of those cool people... And you have a script or a screenplay or something, well, or something. If you have a screenplay, because yeah. that's what we're talking about Let's just here. go with that, not like yep. a, a grocery list. <laughs> we don't need to read that. No, we don't. We don't. We honestly, we love, We I love short stories, but that's not what this is about. Yeah. As much as we love talking about our laundry, this is about screenplays. Mm-hmm. And so, if you have something that you want to get on the show, you can go to filmfreeway.com or scriptshopshow.com slash submit. 
and send your script into us that way. And if you want to communicate with us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, we are on all of those things. Uh, send us a message. Tell us what you think. Uh, and individually, uh, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Twitter at Script Shop Jack. And I'm at your bestie Westy, and I actually do want to know how you do your laundry. So hit me up. I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be polite about it, but I don't really need to. I don't know. Well, nobody asked you, Jack. <laughs> you, you asked I me. asked earlier. You answered. We're done now. Asked and answered. Move on. Uh, we can also move on to uh, in terms of money, if you're interested in maybe uh, sending a little bit of money our way. If you like the show and you'd like to maybe show us your support, you can do that financially by going on to Patreon.com. and uh, Sending some readings our way. Some, Yeah, you can make a, a, a donation or, a, or whatever. Uh, laundered money, preferably. Oh, All right, you know this isn't a, this washed, can't be. It needs to be washed clean, like in the Ozarks. This right? can't Ozark. be a theme. Like uh-huh. there's no way this this, this it's not going to carry us all the way through this you're just, episode. You're just fighting it now. I know. I know it can come back at the end. All right. We have not exhausted the full extent of cleaning things. You jokes. don't think so? <laughs> well, we'll see. We shall see. Uh, our screenwriter that we have on this week is Nathan Karimi, who wrote a script called Where the Trees Hide the Moon. Right. It is a feature screenplay for us, and it is an 83-page metaphysical stand by me. We're very excited about having it on the show. Yeah, I, I wanted the, like, the first thing I want to know is the title. I love the title. Yeah, and I Where wanted... the Trees Hide the Moon. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I can't wait. I love figuring out why people, because sometimes you know right away mm-hmm. why they wrote it, and sometimes it's a lot more. Yeah. And that's really special. And this is like a really shadowy kind of like, there's a lot here. And we can't wait to talk to Nathan about where his mind was when he wrote this freaky piece of screenplay. Yeah, we should probably do that, right? Yes. Talk to Nathan. Mm -hmm. Hi, Nathan. How are you there? Hey, yeah, guys. I'm here. How are we doing? What's up, man? How are you? Good, good. Doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk here. Thank you for sending us your work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, the most pressing question is what you do with your your laundry. Are you really going to make this happen? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to give a shout out to my beautiful wife, Joe Therese. Hey, baby. Um, She does the laundry a lot more than I do, and she is phenomenal at it. But on the rare occasion that I do the laundry, I throw everything in to one. My man. That's right. (laughs) Savages. (laughs) Um, Nathan, where are you calling us from? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Cool. We've had some. Yeah. We've had some big St. Louisans, like um, remotely working. Oh, yep. that's right. Yep. Yeah. They're from St. Scott's Louis. from there. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, we'll, Scott who? Scott Crosby. Yes. Scott Crosby. I know. It's funny because St. Louis is such a small film community, so mm-hmm. I figured I'd know him, but I don't. Well, he's new to I think this part of it, but he and his partner Bill Baber. They wrote a script called Remotely Working, which we were lucky enough to have them on the show. Those wackadoos flew out here for the show, which we loved. We went out and partied for a night where yeah. Jack got mistaken for Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> and Dang. I've, I've had better nights. Still, I love that this coming back. I've had better nights. <laughs> and then, um, you know, th- actually, they produced the pilot episode yeah. of their their screenplay, Remotely Working, recently. So. I bet if you Googled oh, wow. that, you'd be able to, you'd be like, oh, that's on my street or down here. I know where that yeah, is. Yeah, could be because they shot it there, I mm-hmm. think. For yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look. I've kind of been back at writing, and when I'm writing, I'm not out in the world. So mm-hmm. I have kind of had closed eyes to everything, but I'll definitely check it out. That's awesome. I mean, especially St. Louis guy, I'd always love to uh, give him a buzz. So uh, as far as writing goes, are you, are, you, uh, are you writing on a regular basis? You say you, you dig down when you're really doing it. Is it a full time thing for you or? 
I mean, not full time in the sense that I work nine to five. I mean, I do have a job, um, but, you know, full time as far as everything else, that's where the focus is. Um, working on a script right now uh, with a, actually a very, very, very interesting guy. I, I'm not sure how the show works, but you guys might want to talk to him. Seth Ferranti, he's a writer for Vice. Uh, oh. He spent uh, yes, 21 please. years in prison for a nonviolent crime, and we're actually uh, wow. kind of detailing that a little bit. So, yeah, so very, very interesting stuff. That's what that's kind of my piece that's been consuming me right now. But yeah. always writing something. Where the Trees Hide the Moon obviously took uh, quite a while as well. Yeah, there's a lot there's going a on lot. in this script. Yeah. What was your life like when you wrote this script? So it's really, really, really funny. I actually um, was – um, I, of course, was thinking like, man, where was my psyche when I wrote this? Just because I knew that we were all going to get together and talk. Um, and I was like, I should probably explore that a little bit. And I'm remembering um, I was teaching. So I taught high school English for five years. Um, I was in the first semester of my fifth year. I had just told my wife that I was going to like uh, not not teach anymore. I was going to go bust tables and see if I can write full time, you know, just something enough to pay rent here and there. Um and in doing that, I got a call from this really good school. They wanted to interview me. So I went and did an interview and, of course, took it kind of uh, one of these little honey pots that distracts you from the goal. Well, <laughs> a few months later, um, I uh, was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I got hurt. Uh, it was a Wednesday night. And I was like, well, you know, you get hurt all the time. You walk it off. But this was not one of those things. We ended up going to um, actually it's funny because it was a film thing. We were going to the St. Louis um, International Film Festival for my movie 4 a.m. from 2016. Oh. And uh, they had like a little director's party where we ate at Pie Pizza. If you guys ever make St. Louis, come check it out um, <laughs> down on one end of the loop. And we had to walk all the way back up to the other end where the theater was. Now, we're, I mean, I'm a young man of 28 years old, healthy. So ordinarily, it's not a big deal. But that day after my leg had been injured, it, I, it, it was like a walk it off situation. And then I realized, like, I got a, a tree trunk right now. Like this thing is swollen and huge. I can't even walk. So um, went to like the doctor the next day and found out or that sun that Monday I went to the doctors and excruciating pain found out that I had let it sit too long and it was bleeding internally and it was a blood clot. Oh my God. Uh, in the leg. Yeah. Wow. So, in the leg. Blood yeah, clot in the leg, man. Injured. That's not good. Not good at all. So, so as you can imagine, that kind of changed my, uh, frame of mind a little bit. I was like, damn. And uh, can I cuss on this podcast? Yeah. I'm a big cuss. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Fuck shit, bitch. No kidding. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, uh, yeah, I was, I, I guess I think that you see that death kind of, it's like that Leonard Skinner song that smell of death surrounds you. I think that, uh, maybe that was on my mind at the time. And I wrote this script in a pretty, um, pretty quick manager, a pretty, pretty quick manner. It was originally entitled ink though. Mm. Ink. That's very mm -hmm. different. Why was it originally entitled ink? Yeah. Oh, just, you know, there's a letter and the thoughts of, you know, ink being more permanent than, uh -huh. than lead. I don't know. I, I, I toy. This is like, I'm not even sure which version at this point you have. I've rewritten this about seven times. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's very normal for writers, though. We have a lot of writers on the show who are like, oh, this is like my 20th version of this. <laughs> yeah. 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 All writing is rewriting. I read somewhere once. Mm. Um. So... Let's see, you were in a very interesting place in your life, dealing with kind of mortality a bit there. Yeah. Getting through the script. What about the people in this script? Are, like, all the people in the script inspired by people in your life or people in your past? 
Yeah, in some capacity. I mean, so I went to like uh, I went to school Piermont. I mean, uh, it's an elementary school, kind of in a small neighborhood, um, and we had a tight tight knit group of friends. And something about that time frame, which I know there's nostalgia. I mean, Jonah Hill's got his mid '90s. Everyone's kind of trying to get back to the '90s, but yeah. I think there was maybe like a little bit more hardness in the '90s, um, and I just was fascinated with capturing that. So that's kind of I you know, where it opens is just like kids getting ready to play football, black kids versus white kids game, which I know by all standards is probably not a good thing to do now, but that's like what happened back in the day. And I think that everything was a lot more black and white in the nineties than so gray as it is now, you know, and kids were a little bit harder and that time interested me. So I was like, well, let's take these characters through um, something weird. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, as far as the setting goes, there's there's a lot of flashbacks and a lot of uh, I guess maybe flash forwards or at least you know present day and then flashing back to different things. But it, there's also a, a, a sci-fi element of these sirens going off because of atmospheric pressures not safe. Is the, is it set maybe in the not too distant future? I was trying to get a read on as far as when you're setting this. Yeah, so uh, you know I always approach everything. I have one real. Um, one real thing in movies is that I don't like to use cell phones and, uh, it dates it I instantly. Like, yeah. It instantly gives you a time frame Like, damn, that's a razor 2007 yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I'm sure you guys can see that I'm like a very, uh, like all over the place. Like that script probably reeks of ADHD, which I don't necessarily believe in, but if that was a thing, that script's got it, you know? Um, but a little bit all over the place. So I wanted to keep it time neutral. If you notice, like all the phone calls happen on house phones, which are viable to have now, but they don't necessarily say it's now. But the idea is that it's 1990 to 2010, mm-hmm. but nothing really holds it to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you got this group of guys and they are, they're, they're getting together <laughs> because their friend has written them a letter and the letter says, uh, Hey, I'm going through a thing. And I don't want to live anymore. And I would really like it if you guys kill me. And it leads to several conversations between this group of friends. And it's actually my favorite thing about the script is the the arguments that the friends get into as they're trying to debate what do we do about our friend who's in this thing. And just in terms of that, first of all, that's an extremely heavy subject and you know high what, risk what kicks off the action there and everything. What in the world was the inspiration for you on that? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that I, I think that, uh, maybe there is always this fear of someone like you love dying. Um, and I think that's kind of the only thing that's really like permanent. I think that I very, very, very much am okay with all, like, I don't I'm not necessarily scared of anything now, like besides heights, but I'm not scared of like, uh, I guess, I guess really anything here on earth, except for the fact that you can permanently be gone and you have no idea what that's like. So I do have a friend who kind of is a little bit, uh, a little bit, a little bit kind of into drugs and things like that. And I think that some of the hallucinogens and that have taken them on maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a metaphysical journey where you kind of, where he's kind of gotten like depressed and things like that. And I actually sometimes have dreams about him getting in like a car accident. So I worry about that because, you know, for me, I'm more of like the Jacob character. I mean, I'm married and I don't really go out and things like that anymore. So I kind of worry about him. So maybe, maybe it came from there a little bit. Um, and then obviously the Iranian culture, I think that, um, 
comes from my background because I'm Iranian. And then Cameron, I think, is kind of just a loose cannon. He's probably the most poorly written character, so that's one that I went back and readdressed a lot of. Okay. Because the, the reason that this friend, this Carl, has written the letter to his friends is because they experienced something uh, in the woods where they found this, like, silent spot in a creek like you stand in it and all of a sudden everything is just you're 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 like deaf and all the guys sort of stepped into the same area and like had this moment and Carl sort of stuck around and he was changed after this thing happened and then it ultimately leads to him saying to his friends hey guys it's it's almost like he knows too much right is it yeah. like like an alien thing or or you know, maybe a supernatural kind of thing but he's something's happened to Carl and it, was that about the was that maybe the injury that was I, I'm just very curious where that came from also yeah I mean I have no idea that was definitely just definitely meant to be ambiguous and like one big thing is I think that in St. Louis, one of the big talents we have here is uh, a lot of good cinematographers, you know? I mean, uh, there's things lacking about the city as far as filmmaking, but I figured that that would be something that we could really capture with images very well. Mm. But as far as, like, what it means, I think it's kind of just – it's kind of just the <laughs> I, I, I don't know, kind of like the – the inciting incident maybe you know what i mean it's not it's not anything that i'm particularly emotionally attached to it's kind of just this thing that happens that 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 allows me to just be weird and ambiguous with the script later i don't think that it's aliens per se or uh supernatural per se or maybe he's losing his mind they all felt it i meant i wanted that to be just very the only thing that for sure happened is there was no sound. That's the only for sure 100% thing that happened. And then everything else is just like, what the fuck happened? You know? So you really are, you really are playing with this idea of what is, what is true? What is reality here? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And again, I mean, I think that, you know, with like the drugs and having, having a friend that kind of struggles with some of that, I think that maybe there's a little bit of a fascination with altered reality. So mm -hmm. kind of fun to play with that. Yeah. So this friend that you were talking about, you know, is this like a buddy of yours that you've had for a long time? Oh yeah. One of the, uh, one of the guys that was, so that fight, you know, at the very beginning of the, at the very beginning of the, uh, of the script there, you know, where, um, Demetrius and Carl get into it. That was actually based on something real. Oh. And that buddy and another guy got in trouble because they sold tickets to that fight that was supposed to happen. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like uh, fourth or fifth grade or something like that. They were mm. selling tickets. So yeah, all, all guys from, you know, being five years old, six years old. Mm -hmm. That's really, really special. That's, you know, that kind of stuff is the stuff that makes me feel like this is a, a stand by me thing yeah, right. where it's all these buddies going through these experiences together. And for this script in particular, you know, they're faced with something that they may or may not be ready for, you know, yeah. in terms of what they remember of each other as as children and where they are in their lives now, kind of dealing with this massive choice. Do we or do we not kill our friend is he or is he not in his right mind right you know all kinds of big questions that this group of childhood friends are just trying to figure out together yeah and i think the uh, the idea of struggling with being ready for something carl the character who's saying hey please i want you guys to kill me he's in a position where he can't deal with what he's got going on and then the fact that he goes to them now they're in a position where they're also unable to deal with with what's going on because they because they don't want to kill their friend obviously right Right. And I think that 
some of the obvious options were kind of ruled out in the beginning of like we can't find them or you know if you call the police it's not going to be there so yeah it's left with a left with a bad situation i appreciate the uh, comparison to stand by me i'm gonna that not <laughs> i i wish it was even in the universe of the brilliance of that that is it's funny because i love 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 that story mm-hmm. well, i think there's too. i think there's an influence there for sure yeah there's one other sort of overarching theme that develops as the script goes on and it's this sort of generational part one of the main guys in the group farouk he's having conversations with his father and his father starts relating a story to him about how his younger brother also kind of went through the same thing and went nuts and was asking for the same thing that that carl is asking his friends of now and i'm just sort of curious about the idea of generational stuff uh sins of the father being revisited on the son what sort of a theme that is for you personally yeah, so like that one, and that's another one that I went back and explored quite a bit more because I think there was, you know, some relationship between Jacob and his son, and then obviously, you know, Farouk and Rakim. Um, so, you know, for me, I think that, and anyone that probably has a Middle Eastern dad can probably attest to the fact that, I mean, it, there's just a massive, massive, massive cultural difference. And um, if you're, if you grow up in America as I did, um, you know, that cultural difference is going to come out in like those conversations they had where his dad's constantly like, you know, telling him what to do and not actually like listening to what's being said. But the one thing that does remain, you know, but despite the father and the son try, or the father always trying to teach the son, the one thing that does remain is that, you know, the son always kind of has respect for his dad. And I think that he saw completing what he was not able to maybe being a better version of his father was like the best thing that he could do. So that's why he is the one that kind of follows through with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause Farouk, yeah. Farouk is the one that finally uh, fulfills Carl's wish while everybody else is sort of the, 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 the big climax at the end uh, I, I jotted down where the heck was it? When the like the sun is coming up and it's it's uh, everybody. Oh, there we go. Yeah, um, it's almost biblical in certain elements of it. The the big montage of Farouk getting ready at the creek, Jacob trying to help his son who got hurt when they were out hunting, Cameron ODing, and then like the idea that the sun is coming up as all this is going on. It was a very like the sun rises on the just and the unjust, like or rain falls on everybody. One of those like sort of biblical kind of comments. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, definitely kind of, once again, I mean, I like really like objective things and the sun's coming up for all of them, as you said. And I think that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not by any means a religious person, but I do like that the sun rises on the just and the unjust alike, because no matter what all these guys are doing, if they're dying, if they're giving life, if they're um, taking life, whatever, they're they're all doing it at the same kind of time and place. And that's really what the whole story was about was that they're all in the same time and place. Like this shit thing that's happening to them is happening all in the same time and place. So um, I thought the sun rising was supposed to also kind of be a positive ending, you know, yeah. and, and somewhat best case scenario. And, and, you know, you mentioned that you're not really a religious person, but we do talk about God a lot in this script. Mm-hmm. How did, how did that play in for you? Well, people talk about God. So I figured I should probably have characters that talk about God. Um, and uh, there's no doubt that, you know, that's one of the things that Carl's really going through is um, that he's really, 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 really of the belief that there is a higher power because he felt that he experienced it. So dying um, and killing yourself, and I think that across all 
religious scripture that's a sin. So killing yourself would probably, you know, put him into this like constant torment. And he knew that that's not something he could handle. So that's why he kind of asks his friends. Um, so there is some religious elements, but they're more like either fear-based or tradition-based. I think the old man talks about um, what God does for people and things. Do, what What is the what? Like so, if you if you if you talk about the ethics of it, and you've got a friend, someone you've known, someone you've known since childhood, uh, who matters to you, and who is going through this thing and wants this thing of you that you don't want to do, that you don't even know you can do. I mean, when you're writing this, are you just sort of, is your brain like twisting in knots trying to figure out, like, are you playing it out in your head the way the friends are all arguing? What do you do when your friend wants this impossible thing of you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely thinking about that. Like, geez, like, I'll be honest with you. Me being married now and having the life that I have now, there's no way, no way in hell I would help anyone kill themselves but I think that each of them being in a little bit of a different place, like each of them kind of has a pull, except Cameron, who, you know, we intentionally don't see anyone in his family and he's kind of the loose cannon. But they all have their reason to either like do it or not do it. And I think that um, it's not like it's right or wrong to do it or not do it. It's just circumstantially some of them have a lot more to lose. Like Jacob's wife just slaps the shit out of him, you know, like – Come on, dude. Think, use your fucking head mm-hmm. and obviously don't do this. And then Farouk's dad is – he sees his dad and his dad's still like having nightmares and like not able to think and like still thinking about his uh, – still thinking about his uncle after all these years. And, that, you know, part of this is also the Iranian culture, which some of these things are um, – will probably – be better understood in Farsi. I don't even understand them in Farsi, but they probably will be better understood in Farsi just because that culture is there. But, um, you know, it's, there, there's really no telling like which one is going to do it until it's done. I really do like that though, because we talk about, you know, the sun rising on everybody in different moments and you do throughout the script, lay out the very specific nuances of everybody's lives. The characters are very well fleshed out despite, you know, external events happening they're all kind of dealing with the same thing at different time periods in their own different ways throughout the whole script and so you know it, it you you know you're like the script is all over the place but it's all over this the place with like this this controlled chaos mm-hmm. almost that there is this chaos element that they're dealing with and the the script just kind of represents that i think it feels like the situation these characters are in Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I could agree with that, that there is, even though it's, it is like kind of jumping everywhere, they're all dealing with almost literally the same thing. I'm trying to think how I wanted to, I was going to, I wanted to bring up the, getting back to the Farouk part, how his dad is able to relate to him the story about his younger brother who went through the same thing as Carl and be, turns into this, that's another element of it too, right? So you've got a friend who is, asking you for this impossible thing and that's one element of it but then for Farouk the conversation that he has with his father where his father remembers how his younger brother turned into this monster basically he was living at home with mom and dad and Farouk's dad comes home to visit and this kid has driven his parents nuts Carl has sort of ruined his mom also and this other idea I think because it feels like the stakes are so high and it feels like well we can't just get him help and he can't just you know, go talk to somebody. I don't think therapy is really an option. It's a real do or literally die sort of thing. And the other element of this guy's kind of a th- 
threat too. Like that's another element of what your responsibility is in the situation. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's almost like a cliche question at this point of like, if you had a time machine, is it moral to, you know, theoretically kill Hitler? And I think that, you know, there's the immediate answer that the public wants to give based on um, the results. But I think that there's also anyone who could just objectively narrow it down to like, you're killing a baby. (laughs) Are you willing to do, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even talking about abortion, all that. Let's just say he's seven years old, right. right? Just to just to completely distance itself from that conversation. Let's say he's seven years old, ten years old. You have that opportunity. I think that I think that you know there is a valid conversation there for like, is this right? Now, this is obviously a microcosm of that because it's one apartment complex, but you know, evil is evil, and I think that it's one of these rare things that. Um, you might see little manifestations of it. I think like Tony Soprano's character is pretty damn near close to pure evil, right. but it's also like, but he also is not pure evil because mm-hmm. he kind of feels bad for fucking all these random women. And he kind of feels bad for all these things. Well, this guy is like pure evil. That's not, he can't even help it. Like he's evil acknowledges that he's been taken over by the devil so it's pretty black and white you ruined that area there's no really redeeming qualities here but the question still remains like can i kill my brother right Um, and he was not able to and ultimately that's a regret and i think that old people say all the time like they regret the things they didn't do far more than things they did do so um you know that's hard because particularly because i'm sure all men but i know i know that iranian men are very 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 um big on providing and being protectors and things like that. So for him to know that he failed and just left, I mean, that's a huge burden that his son has the opportunity to kind of put to rest. Mm -hmm. That's actually something I jotted down. I I, I wrote down the quote from the line, Rakim, the 65 year old father talking to his son saying, Farouk, at the at the end of your life, it doesn't matter if other people think you're good. Only you know if you did good and the be- and the best. And I was too scared to do it. I don't want that for my son. I thought that was a big sort of message. Like this is an important part of the story I'm telling you right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I probably put a little too much of myself in there because I definitely agree with that statement. <laughs> you know. In what ways do you mean? What do you mean you put too much of yourself in there? Like on that on that message, like sometimes I don't like to um, be preachy in the scripts, and but I think that this character kind of kind of um, functions as someone who can be preachy, and probably the reason I want to be preachy is because my that I tend to be preachy is because my dad was preachy. So maybe it is appropriate for that character, but it's definitely kind of a you know on the nose. Like only you're gonna really know. Like you know, should he really? Is that too on the nose for him to say that? And I kind of toyed with that conversation back and forth, but ultimately I kept it in and. Do you have kids? Uh, nope. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. It's just interesting to think uh, about because yeah. you're talking about, you know, your relationship with your father and, you know, already picking up things of his that you know from being his child. Um, what are some other ways that you're like your dad? Um, I mean, uh, quite. A, I think I have a, like, dangerous – I know this I, I know this kind of sounds like a, a positive thing, but I just mean it very neutrally. I have like a dangerous amount of confidence (laughs) and my dad did as well. And I mean, you might think that that's a good thing, but it gets me into a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of situations. And, um, 
you know, it's not always, it's not always the best thing. Like I kind of, especially with like my writing career, like I will kind of just like say yes to everything and think I'm going to think I'm going to, I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that's, I guess that's a whole other conversation, but that's one big thing. Um, and then definitely he is the most, I guess for lack of a better word, ADHD human being you will ever meet in your entire, for sure, for sure. If you guys got some producers and you want to come just like have a conversation with him for five minutes, you can put it on TV as like the case study for the most <laughs> severe ADHD you have ever seen. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting into the whole side thing, but I'm just thinking like we li- my wife and I li- will literally sit around and like trade texts that my dad sent us because they make no sense. <laughs> Parents so that's one way. can send some wacky text, that's for sure. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, hey, do you want to uh, get into a, a, our reading that we were going to do? Yep, 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 yep. If you guys are uh, ready, yeah. yeah. Yeah, since we're getting into themes about parents and stuff, and this uh, the the scene that we're going to read is uh, it's near the end. Uh, there's a it's it's an old Iranian man who's sort of giving this speech at a festival. Uh, it's part of one of the flashback sequences where this group of friends is younger. They're in like their twenties, and they've been on this sort of road trip. And in fact, Carl, after having gone through this thing when he was younger, and he's still trying to figure stuff out, they he almost he sort of puts a Paul on the trip in a way because he goes off they, they, he makes him pull over and he just goes to go to the bathroom in the woods and then they go to check on him and he's trying to he's trying to kill himself then yeah and they get him back into the car and they end up going to this festival and uh and that's where we we're picking up and that's where we're picking up a lot of montaging uh, a lot of nature shots and uh this older Iranian man is is addressing the crowd and uh Nathan is that about right does that put us about where we're at yeah yeah, that's perfect. Uh, do me a favor. Tell me what page that is. Um, uh, 75. I'm going to start near the bottom of script page 75, at least in the version that, 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 that we, we have. have. Right. So listen, yeah, 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 yeah. listeners, we're, we're going to be on 75 today. I'm going to read action headings and Jack will be reading for the old Iranian man. Jack is not Iranian. No. He's also not old. And I don't speak Farsi. For the record, ladies. <laughs> and uh, so... You know, everybody just sit back and enjoy what's about to come your way. Yeah, you're welcome, folks. Uh, Nathan, hang on, okay? Yeah, thanks, man. All right, you ready? Uh, Yeah. Okay. Flashback, exterior, Park Pavilion, day. Farouk, 20, Cameron, 20, Doreen, 20, Jacob, 20, and Carl, 20, are at the festival, awkward because of what just happened. Eventually, they are overtaken by the joy of the event. At the Iranian New Year Festival, everyone is eating, dancing, playing soccer, and talking. Before the food is officially served, the old man talks to everyone about the meaning of the celebration. Various montage intercuts. Nature's wonders. Creek. Sunshine. Trees. Sky. People dancing. Soccer game. Children playing. Speaking in Farsi. Ida Shoma Mubarak. I will say this in English so the children and our guests can hear, too, how blessed they are in the good grace of God. So, again, everyone, Ida Shomar Mobarek. I welcome all the guests today. I'm happy to see my grandson has brought his friends, and we are grateful for each of you to be here today, a very important day in the history of not just the Iranian people, but of all of the people. Today, for the last thousands of years, our people have celebrated this day, the Equinox, The day the sun spends more time with the earth than any other day, the longest day of the year. Today, the coldness of winter will move toward the warmth of spring, where flowers will bloom, 
and sun will give us more light and warmth. It is very good to delight in both of these gifts, but also it is important to remember that we will return to winter, to coldness. Our ancestors were given strength through the winter by remembering the spring. They passed that strength and those memories to us, their children. And we must remember, no matter how hard life gets, how bad, good is not far. And it is also important that we are not fooled by the good times to misremember the bads and forget how that feels. Spring is smiling at us now. We say welcome. We celebrate its beginning and think not of its end. Everybody, eat and thank God for this day and be better this day than the last. And always until finally you are good enough to meet him who created all things. And now speaking back in Farsi, I love each of you. Ida Shoma Mobarek. End flashback. I think that summarizes so much of, of, I feel like, what you were trying to say with this script, Nathan. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think that, you know, that that's a big, 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 big celebration in um, Iranian culture that's always, always been fascinating to me. So it's, uh, if you guys ever, I don't know if you guys have a big Iranian community, but if you're able to go to one of those um, New Year's parties, they're so much fun. Um, where did this monologue come from for you? What is this character wanting to say? And what are you wanting to say by giving him these words? Well, I think that, um, I mean, I guess in the biggest way is that it seems like old people are more positive, honestly. Um, and I think that after this like big tragic event that happened, I think that there's a good opportunity for all of these guys to be able to kind of hear that. But again, um, as 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 nice as that is for them to hear all this, I think that they are dealing with something different. Like I don't think this was uh, I quite captured this here, but it kind of reminds me of like No Country for Old Men, just yeah. the general idea of like old people really don't know how crazy shit can get. They just don't. They're not the ones that are out on the street. And um, I think that Cameron and um, I'm sorry. Uh, I think that Carl's dealing with something like bigger than anything that this guy's probably really seen. So you really think that this message is just about inspiring, I guess, contrast for the story about giving because, you know, there's that whole march towards death. But then there's yeah. life circle that I, I really think about. Well, and this speech happens just before Farouk sets things up to take Carl out of the picture. It, it's This is just before everything really goes to town. Uh, this is like the, the last moments before we start to get a real sense of finality. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, with him kind of highlighting both sides, it gives us kind of a plot opportunity to 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 see that maybe both things could happen and everyone could have taken that differently. I mean, there are definitely two sides there, but ultimately it was kind of, you know, do the right thing, positivity. So um, that's what, that's the way Farouk saw it. And um, Jacob saw it differently. Cameron kind of pursued it differently. And then obviously Carl's in his own, in his own world. Mm -hmm. So it was a, you know, good opportunity for them to, right. uh, you know, make some moves thematically. Mm -hmm. I get that. You So you said you grew up in America, but how much does your Iranian heritage play into your writing? Is it is it just in this script or does it figure in in a lot of things? Um, I'll tell you what. I think that this script definitely, definitely is a lot more um, like kind of poetic and, 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 and centered around it than anything else because 
uh, my other strips are a lot more just like violent and uh, a lot more violent and tighter plots. This one was like an attempt at really something very thematic. So um, with that, I was able to like explore a lot more about, about my culture and, you know, what it means to me and being at that age where like, I'm going to have kids and looking at like, you know, the way my dad behaved with us and why those things might've been and how blessed I am to not have to work like they did. I mean, not like I don't work, but shit, no one works like their parents really. Right. And is this maybe one of your more personal pieces of writing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. In fact, I actually like ink quite a bit uh no not better but ink was very was the same kind of story but approached even way 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 i reeled this one in from like that artsy weird like five thousand percent because we actually got this into kind of um a production that i'm sure you guys have heard thousands of stories where it didn't go through but we kind of pulled this into a production and they were like you know like hey let's tighten this up so that there's so that it's less like thematics and you just can get into like get into the story more so that's what this one was this is more of a producible script than uh than the original one was okay do you have plans for this for production i don't right now i'm so and i'm I'm not trying to plug this because i'm not even anywhere near on that level where i can be plugging shit i'm just i'm literally just a dude (laughs) you're fine fucking around with the camera but um uh, no, I'm very, 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 very 100% in pre-production for my new one. Um, it's called The Precious, and it's about mafia stuff. But it's like such a uh, – I told you it's about the guy who spent all that time in prison and right. his first day out of jail. But production for this, this will be one of these things where um, when something uh, when something does get noticed for me and I'm in an opportunity where I can say, hey, I have something that I want to pull out of my drawer, then I definitely like to produce this. There's some really strong actors that um, were kind of attached to this before things didn't go through. So I definitely, definitely want to get back into it because I know that um, it can it can be visually fascinating. Have you thought about the casting for the different ages that we see the characters at throughout yeah, the story? There's a lot of ground to cover as far as that goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah casting is casting is going to be incredibly hard for this one. So, yeah. I mean, I I think that, um, you know, before producing something for even $50,000, I was like, yeah, I probably got to go back and, you know, do something more like that's that's manageable, three, four, five characters. And plus, this every character in this would rely on each other so heavily, and it's so hard to afford, like, really strong actors. So um, definitely going to pull this one out of the drawer when I got a little cash in the pocket and um, maybe someone to actually produce it because I, there's there's some really strong if you guys are you guys uh, watch any Iranian cinema I don't believe I no I don't think so I would say not intentionally okay so I mean I would recommend this and you know I'm not sure um, what streaming services you guys have but I would definitely 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 check out Asghar Farhadi's A Separation um that is probably the – I think it's probably the best movie. I, I have a hard time not saying best movie ever made because it's just so flawless. It won the 2012 mm-hmm. uh, uh, Foreign Film Academy Awards. So like I would like to get on with some of those guys. So I'd want to I'd want to be at the level where I feel comfortable approaching them and um, asking them to come on into the story. Mm-hmm. But um, Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. 
So it does seem like your culture really does influence a lot of what you do, whether it's subtle or, you know, in terms of the things that you're drawn to in your art, it's showing up all over the place. Yeah, definitely. I think like growing up in America and being like half Iranian, I never really, um, I always felt kind of like, it's so funny. I think that you hear a lot of people saying this particular story. Like, I think you hear a lot of gay kids say like, oh, I felt different when I was a kid, but I didn't know why. And like, you feel people that have like, you know, varying degrees of autism. I felt different, but I don't know why. I felt very different as a kid. And I realized I had two extremely clashing cultures growing up. Mm -hmm. So it has always been not clashing in a negative way, but I mean, the American culture and the Iranian culture are pretty much polar opposites. Is your does your dad read your work? Is your dad still around? What what is has he read this? Yeah, he is around. No, <laughs> no, he can't. He can barely read. Like, I mean, I love my dad, but no, he no. No. Okay. <laughs> That's just a funny question because I not because you obviously it's an appropriate question, but like actually thinking about like fuck, I wish you knew my dad. You'd be like, <laughs> no, he absolutely Me too. Not. No. No, no, no. What do you he, think he uh, would think if he read it? Yeah. Um, he would have no clue what happened. And he'd say at the very end he'd say he's in a very, very, very positive age of his life where, you know, like he's very, very, very different than not that he was negative, but he's the hothead every, I mean, that's just part of, you know, being, uh, <laughs> uh anyway, I'm not going to say what it's part of being, everyone gets offended so easily. I don't know what I can say, but, um, I, I'm like, uh, growing up, he's such a hothead, but now he's like in such a positive kind of way of life. And he seems like he's the Buddha. And like, I think he'd say something superficial, like, man, like that was like, about God, it was good, man. Like, you know, like yeah. he, he would, he doesn't, that's, he's an engineer. That's, he's a nurse, but like he, he he's, he's an engineer brain, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no okay. clue how, how this would work. Listen, for me, it's fun listening to you think about what your dad would or wouldn't be doing at any yeah. given point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, should be a sitcom. So Nathan, if somebody did want to get a hold of you and they they've read the script, which they should, there's a there's a, there's a lot of meat in this script that we yeah. have sort of glossed over. Uh, we weren't able to get into it as deeply because it's more of a feature, and we want to talk to you about your life and everything. And if somebody has read this and they do want to maybe talk to you more about potentially producing it, where uh, how should they contact you? Oh, producing it. Hold on. Call me right now, baby. 636-226-7100. Now, um, let's see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually did give my number. So if you're actually want to produce it, let's go. But thenathankarimi at gmail.com is my email. I'm Natan on Facebook. That's N-A-Y space T-A-N. T-A-N. Uh, I was a teacher, so I couldn't put my real name on mm -hmm. it. So yeah, mm -hmm. thenathankarimi at gmail. Great. All right. Nathan, thank you so much for spending time talking to this, talking to us about this tonight. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys both so much. And Jeff, thanks for, uh, thanks for reading. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. No problem. See you guys. Thanks. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that was Nathan. There's so much going on in this script. I love all the debates that the friends have with each other. I really do too. And it, you know, it just puts you in that situation where it's like, <laughs> what if Brett oh, yeah, right. asked us or asked you and them for the record, Brett's the one who's singing karaoke in the background of our promo video for Bat Out of Hell. So <laughs> go check that out and just nice enjoy it. It's on my Facebook page because I just love that one so much. I, I had to share it at some point.
But you know, if, if one of our close friends, sure. We would all be approaching it from different... And that's what I mean about this script. Like there, it, it's like I said, the, the, the different angles and the ethics of being a friend and w- the ethics of being a human being. Right. And I don't know. There's a, there's, it, it gets into a lot of very deep sort of issues and reflective stuff. And it, 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 goes, it takes your brain to some weird places. It's, you know, when we were doing that interview, I was thinking, well, as a friend, I could do that for somebody. And then as a person, I, then I think about how I actually would respond to it. And I don't think i could do it yeah i don't think so i really don't think i could i also get really graphic in my mind so i would really need to think out the how the what's the when's there's a lot of plays there's this one play where uh there's some siblings fighting over whether or not they should help one of their parents you know Uh in their life and and kind of going through those thoughts as a performer is hard and fascinating Hard. Well, yeah, it takes you to a place that, yeah, you don't necessarily want to go to, but you're you're exploring feelings and mm-hmm. processing all that stuff. Sure. Yeah. Well. If yeah. you've explored feelings Ooh. and you've written them down on a page. and By you've, processing you, them. Using a word processor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one mm-hmm. way you can uh, send us your work, and you should do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit or looking us up on Film Freeway, the mm-hmm. way I believe Nathan did. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was also a Film Freeway baby for us. Yeah. A film, but he was not a hot burrito, so if you hashtag hot burrito, send your script this way, we're going to put it in the top of our reading list. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, check us out. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Look up Script Shop Show on all of those platforms. And you can find us on Twitter. Allison is your bestie, Westy. Mm-hmm. And Jack is Script Shop, Shop Jack. Jack. There we go. So, um, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to talk to you next week. Who knows what types. Oh, no. Of- go, don't do it. Don't you do it. <laughs> I was trying to do it, and then I died. I was trying to do something like don't you do what it. type of laundry we, we will be airing out on this show next week. Let's. I, you've got to have something better than that. Do you really, have anything, Frank, about laundry? I'm against this. I don't. Have I anything. know, but you're the clever one. Ugh. Oh my. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're. I yeah. turned you on as soon as I knew she was going there. No, I mean, we just didn't keep this episode very clean. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nailed That's it. it. We're out. We're out. Until next week, friends. That's a wrap. Script shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.